0: W Media.
1: Hey, fans of the Feminist Buzzkills! We are th- the three little Buzzkills. <laughs> we're here, uh, and we're super excited to do this little news break to talk about one of the big stories that is happening over this week. We have heard some really disturbing trends around incarceration and pregnancy and abortion access. And we just thought it's time to do a deep dive into what it is like for incarcerated folks to get a range of health care as, um, as they are living within the prison system. And so we are so excited. We are doing a two-part series with an incredible guest, Dr. Michelle Goodwin. And this is part one, and we are going to tackle pregnancy and overall healthcare in the incarceration system. So hope you like it. Hello, friends of the Feminist Buzzkills. I am Liz Winstead, joined as always with my co-host Mojiala Model. Hello. And Marie Khan, Hello. And today we are joined by one of my favorite big brains who has the best glasses game going just as a sidebar. Uh, She is Chancellor's Professor at the University of California, Irvine, and Founding Director of the Center for Biotechnology and Global Health Policy. She's also the host of her own dope podcast called On the Issues with Michelle Goodwin at Ms. Magazine. And her latest book is a must, must, must called Policing the Womb that was released in February of 2020. And truth be told, it was at an event release for this book that was the last time i appeared in public on a stage so please welcome the one and only dr michelle goodwin
2: it is a pleasure to be with you thank you so much for having me
1: well <laughs> I'm so thrilled that you are here and i have to be honest you know just in the scope of uh, we do we do a weekly podcast for our sister organization we're and we we cover news around reproductive care, reproductive justice, abortion, access, pregnancy, all of it. And we all know that like these issues aren't talked about very much at all, right? And then we realize the thing that's talked about even less is healthcare around incarcerated folks and our horrible prison industrial complex. So then according to my math, if we're not talking about reproductive justice issues very much, and we're not talking about incarcerated folks and their health care. It means the thing that we're talking about the least is the health care of incarcerated people and how terrible it is. And so we really wanted to do service to folks who are suffering, who need health care, especially reproductive care um, in in our system, who are incarcerated in our systems, and because, People need to know what's going on. And two stories broke this week that kind of jarred us into what was happening, one out of Nebraska and one out of Mississippi. And before we dive like directly into that, um, I was hoping, Dr. Goodwin, that you could lay out sort of the landscape for what it's like for an incarcerated person who needs medical care, anything from having a cold to needing chemo.
2: Well, it's horrific. And, and let me just start with the case um, of Sue Ellen Allen. And it's, it's actually um, a sad story. Sue Ellen recently died. Um, Sue Ellen Allen was a woman who, <clears throat> by many accounts, people would see her and she was Republican redhead pearl wearing until she was incarcerated. And during her incarceration, she experienced breast cancer. And fortunately she knew before going in that she was already diagnosed. Uh, that was very helpful um, because that probably extended her life because she was able to say, I have breast cancer, it needs to be treated. But um, the unfortunate thing, and I think it's emblematic of our incarceral system is that in her case, um, she was shackled and chained during um, the, what she called the chopping off of her breast. She was held in a, she didn't know how long she was going to be held in this kind of holding station with rats and roaches and things like that. Um, and then when she was taken back to jail, this is in uh, Arizona, um, she was denied a pillow that she was needed in order to prevent muscle atrophy. And this is where her story becomes, came alive for her because it was the incarcerated women with her who knew the grave medical circumstance in which she was in, and they used their sanitary napkins to make a pillow for her. And she said, because they knew she had been fancy, (laughs) they created little fringe (laughs) on it and she had to hide it because you know they made this for her but it helped her to survive but how i came to know even more about this is because when sue ellen got out she founded an organization called gina's team and wrote op-eds about her experience and so who was gina i mean it was awful what sue ellen experienced uh but then there's the story of gina gina 25 years old her cellmate who died went into a coma finally on the day in which she was given some medical care she had been pleading for women who were surrounding her had been pleading for it. These women were threatened with solitary confinement. In Arizona, one of the ways to handle women that are too mouthy uh, is you could do solitary confinement, put someone in a little room, or you can put them out in a field where they might fry to death, which is actually what has happened to um, at least one woman in Arizona. Uh, And so with those stakes, these women tried to do as best as they could for Gina, as she said, my head hurts so much, like it feels like it's splitting open. When I try to chew, it's like I'm chewing on glass. Um, And Jean elapsed into a coma on the day in which she was finally provided some form of medical care and she died three days later, she left behind four kids. And, you know, Liz, just a couple years ago, I was going to talk um, at uh, Northeastern Law School and it was around these kinds of issues and i got a call at two in the morning from from sue ellen apologizing and crying and i said you know sue ellen no need to to sort of cry what what's what's going on what's happening and she told me that gina's oldest daughter had shot herself in the head so and again you know the sort of the effects of all of this are not just on the individual Mm -hmm. Liz, these things are so bad that now Sesame Street actually has a character, a Muppet, a Muppet called Alex. And this Muppet is the Muppet of an incarcerated, you know, a child of an incarcerated parent, right? These are thick issues. um, And the fact that Gina's oldest daughter um, life, I think is only reflective of the kind of psychological harms that extend to these problems, these issues.
1: And it's just, you know, I think that Part of where they extend out to is so vastly um, overlooked, even when we have these conversations, right? It's we focus even on the issue of what kind of care the individual is getting and the lack of care that leads to, um, you know, mortality rates just going, you know, haywire bad. Um, So, what about if you're pregnant? What about if you're pregnant?
2: What does that look like? If you're it looks horrible, right? You know, you know it, it looks horrible. So what medical neglect like so it's first understand the prison industrial complex and one that uh, with women, you know, sort of rapid growing population of persons who are incarcerated, uh, now there are women are incarcerated at a higher rate for drug related offenses now than men are. These are institutions that were not designed for women, and to the extent that prison culture itself prison policing itself is designed around thinking about the issues and concerns of men. Well, you're not really thinking about breast cancer then in the carceral space. Um, You're not thinking then about ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, not even thinking about menstruation, right? I mean, let's be clear that we've heard reports out of Colorado where fortunately they've changed a law thanks to Leslie um, Herod there, but you know cases where women having to sexually barter to get tampons while in prison right and thank goodness for um this black woman uh, legislator in the state of colorado who called this out because i believe it was her sister had been incarcerated and so she had a first-hand knowledge but was also able to work with a commission that was able to find that it was actually the case where women were bartering right, bartering sex for or having to do coercive things in order to just get tampons. In the state of Colorado a woman had to show proof why she needed a tampon. How do you show proof what, to a guard, why you need a tampon, right? And so when we're just level setting and thinking about um, the reproductive space, women's bodies and these carceral spaces, there's already an underlying hostility and a failure to recognize the bodies themselves as, as they're in. And so then if we begin to think about pregnancy, Liz, it's, it's it's an abomination, you know, and I write about it in my book, Policing the Womb. It's horrible, women giving birth in prison toilets, women, women giving birth on concrete floors, uh, women giving birth with no aid of medical attention, right? Uh, you know, It's just really horrible. The, the accounts are really chilling. And when you think about it, why are these women incarcerated two thirds of them non-violent offenses. And, you know, it may be related to the fact that they um, used some illicit drug and was caught doing it. It may relate to things that are um, somewhat gender specific. Women are are not the only people who pass bad checks, but it is known that women are passing bad checks when they're trying to put food on the table and pay rent. And so part of that, you know, population of incarceration were people who were moms caretaking for their kids and other relatives, writing bad checks. So it's that population that then is subjected to this utmost cruelty uh, behind bars with pregnancy.
0: And, and yeah, go ahead, Moji. Well, I was just, so this week, uh, the um, Liz has alluded to this, but this week, Mississippi just announced the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act. And this is basically, they say, okay, we're ready to stop shackling inmates when they're in labor which is wild, the idea of being shackled while you're in labor. And I didn't realize this before, but there was a limit on the number of times that a child could visit their incarcerated parent before. So they've lifted this up. I also didn't realize at first that this was um, pro-life legislation, which is the most pro-life pro-life legislation I've ever heard of. Is there a standard of care at all in the country for an incarcerated person who, who decides to continue a pregnancy? Oh, um, and their access to prenatal care, to labor, to birth care in the US prison system?
2: Well, in the closing chapter of my book, I recommend that we need a reproductive new uh, deal, uh, a reproductive justice platform, uh, because no, there is no baseline, right? So one can sue, Um, After one has been subjected to cruel and unusual punishment behind bars, and that's usually been the pathway um, to trying to try to get a remedy uh, when one has been wronged or harmed experiencing medical neglect behind bars, but there's no baseline, you know, one would say that one has a constitutional baseline, but that it gets thwarted all the time. I mean, in the case of Gina, I mean, it's a wonderful case study, because here were her best advocates were the incarcerated women around her. And they tried as best as they could, but their uh, health and safety and well-being was also threatened while they were trying to advocate for her. And these cases are just absolutely extraordinary. And let me level set just one additional time. So, in part of my research, I go around the world and I meet with people, I talk with people, et cetera, about a variety of things. And while I was in the Philippines not too long ago, it was within the last decade, uh, focusing on Um, various modern ways of sex trafficking children, which it turns out one of the modern ways is now doing it through the internet. But I was interviewing numbers of people and I interviewed the head of a very important NGO that has been working to try to rescue uh, women from sex trafficking and kidnapping and trying to also make inroads with regard to the trafficking of kids. And she told me about her life story. And part of her life story is that she had been incarcerated because of her political views. And to add to the punishment, the government also incarcerated her children, right? Like that was punishment. Well, in the United States, because we have so much incarceration as a means of, um, Uh, to to show goodwill and because of good behavior, now you can have your child incarcerated with you. So on one hand, you see a place where it is considered punishment. We are trying to harm you and we're going to harm your kids. But in the United States, since we have such a dramatic taste for mass incarceration, now we say, okay, for good behavior, we'll put your kids in there with you. And to be clear, the children do better when they are with their moms, but let's be clear what these circumstances are. Children behind barbed wire, with guards and guns and for anybody in our audience who's wondering more about this or they think it's a small problem let's just level set one more time the united states incarcerates more women than any other country in the world more than russia china india thailand combined this gives you some sense of how much so it's not just a male problem which is often the way that it's depicted but this is also a problem for women and I'm just so happy to be with you and looking forward to coming back and we can do more of this.
1: Oh my God, there's so much to talk about. It is, it's a fucking outrage. Yeah,
0: it's It's such an outrage. outrage. And also Dr. Goodwin is so engaging. That was like such a good,
1: I know, just to break down, um, you know, non-controversial healthcare is inaccessible. Mm -hmm. You know, you are just relegated to a subhuman who does not deserve care and those stories were so incredible. And I'm so excited for next week when Dr. Goodwin is going to break down um, access to abortion care um, through un- incarcerated populations and also undocumented uh, populations who have been detained and what um, how folks navigate pregnancy care and abortion care um, there. So um, look forward to that. So we're going to be doing that one next Thursday, same time, same place. Thanks, y'all. Bye, guys.